say, is it just me or has this whole COVID thing made you just realize like how fucking filthy everything is? <laughs> like I've, I've been trying to like sanitize coming in from the house and like, you know, uh, getting like a thing from the hardware store or, um, you know, just any necessity that I'm going out to, 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 to get. Uh, and then I'm trying to like, you know, figure out how to decontaminate my clothes and wash everything and it's just like holy shit everything is just covered in stuff that's subject now and like subject yeah, as I've a lethal just, threat <laughs> <laughs> i've just been trying not to think about it too too much and like we really are limited in our goings outs we did go to home depot yesterday but it was just to pick up something we'd ordered online so it was literally just standing in one part of the store and, like, I have a Lysol staging area in the back room where if I bring anything into the house, I put it back there and I spray it down before, you know, I bring it into the rest of the house. But otherwise, like, when it comes to, like, clothes, like, I get home, I wash my hands, I wash my face. Um, I've been microdosing Lysol. David's just been huffing it. Like, I told him yeah. it doesn't work that way, but I don't think he gets it. I, my immunity is, like, plus five now. Well, yeah. I'm just trying otherwise, like, not over – like, I have – um. What what are the what kind of gloves are they? I keep wanting to call them neoprene, but that's not nitrile, the substance. Nitrile, Ni- nitrile, yeah. nitrile. I wear my nitrile gloves and my uh, N95 mask, which, according to one Twitter user, I should be assaulted for having one in public. Um, oh, because you're not you? a uh, first responder or like a yeah. uh, healthcare worker. Yeah. Well, I mean, the CDC just recommended that we all start wearing masks, which is great because we can totally and do I've that. And I've had these masks, we, masks for two saying, years. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Like, it's not like I fucking robbed a a, a, a CNA on her walk home. Like, well, may, not for masks. Not for masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had a fucking Wendy's Frosty, and I really wanted it. I haven't had Frosty in a while. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's scarcity economics. You know. Yeah. Oh, we. Uh, I, I saw on a on a Facebook group, a neighborhood Facebook group, that they're medevacking people from downstate to uh, Samaritan Hospital. In Troy. Yep. Yeah, it's wild. They, they, uh, uh, Cuomo like socialized all the hospitals. Yep. Yep. Uh, and yeah, because yeah, you can just do that, it turns out. Yeah, it turns out that that's <laughs> completely possible. And, uh, and they, they did it to quote, like, uh, I think the, the quote was like to cut the bullshit. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, the bullshit's totally fine 99% of the time. <laughs> but this, but for right now, when it's like basically, you know, uh, it's a Rawlsian choice of like whether or not like, you know, you could just be randomly assigned getting COVID and dying like, oh, OK, now. Well, now yeah, we now gotta... that it's not only poor yeah. sick people who are dying, but like normal sick it, people. Yeah, it's Fredo. Fre- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, re- really a, a thermometer is out for Fredo who's who's suffering from the co- he got the Rona. Oh and, my God. Uh, he said he he, he said he um uh what what was it he uh, um hallucinated Ma- his his father Mario Cuomo. Jesus fucking Christ, dude! That's <laughs> his, his fever was so high he like. Are you talking he, about? He are you talking about Cr- Chris Cuomo? Yeah, Chris Cuomo has 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 Rona. He has. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I didn't realize yeah. that he was like still broadcasting. I thought that they would. Uh... I don't know. He's broadcasting from his basement. Yeah, he's like in his apartment. Wow. He's in his, gigan- he's in his gigantic mansion. Wow. Apartment thing. Is CNN going to turn into a snuff film? I hope so. Oh, that would be. That's I mean, too much to ask for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's uh, fucking crazy. The politicization, you know, uh, Trump calling it like the Chinese virus. 
Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? Because it comes from China. It's not racist at all. No, not at all. It comes from China. That's why. We are the epicenter. It's, it's the American virus. In fact, it's the New York City virus. Like, yeah, you know, it's like the worst outbreak of COVID in the world is happening under Andrew Cuomo's watch. And he's cutting Medicaid and he's being, you know, hailed as a hero. And he gets to go on TV and pretend to be, you know, President Bartlett from uh, the West Wing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. real. So whether or not this is a bioweapon is sort of immaterial, right? Like it doesn't matter right now um with an asterisk you know which is to say we shouldn't be making bioweapons even as a basic research tool like we're you know we don't i don't think have um a net benefit from creating superbugs in a bsl4 lab i think that the idea of them getting out um you know as even a remote possibility negates any value that we would have as to potentially being prepared to deal with them, especially in light of the fact that we've been doing this bioweapon research for decades, and apparently we're totally not good at dealing with this when something <laughs> yeah. like this actually happens, whether or not you know this is in fact a, a bioweapon, which for the record, I, I don't think it is. I think it's a, a regular you know, zootropic, uh, or uh, I think it's called zootropic, um, disease when it jumps from uh, animals to people just like SARS and just like a bunch of other things. And I think it's more indicative of an ecological crisis that has been brought about by industrial uh, animal farming and high density of uh, animals being treated with all types of antibiotics. Um, and that, you know, this is essentially like a super bug factory, like just so that we can have like cheap pork, chicken and beef, you know, and that the ecological disaster that even that system not creating super bugs has on the rest of the living planet is like a lot but the fact that it's a breeding ground for superbugs uh that then can jump to humans is a even stronger reason why we should at the minimum um change our uh meat consumption practices as a species and uh our animal welfare um of animals that are going to be raised uh in husbandry for either you know milk or meat for me the biggest lesson to take away from this is like how fragile our global supply chains are and how at risk we are living under a system that does not see human dignity and human life and human flourishing as its primary goal. Mm -hmm. Like just any mm -hmm. kind of like there's no future survival for the human race under a global a, a global system or a set of global systems that does not put human thriving as the top priority. Um, I agree with you. Because that we'll know, I think, a lot better in a year we'll be able to look back on on how this came about and what the flaws in its handling were. And there will be lots of very dense explainers on all of the ins and outs of the very particular ways we could have done things differently. But at the end of the day, the biggest takeaway is that capitalism is the virus. It is the threat to human flourishing, because if it weren't for the profit motive driving so much of our leadership's response to this, we would not have currently, what, 66,000 people worldwide dead. Like, we could have exponentially done such rising. a better job. And exponentially rising. By the time you hear this, it will probably be many, 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 many more. more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cut the bullshit 
moment for me. I think it was in Vox where that that headline came out of where they uh, when they when they unified and and socialized New York's hospitals. Like that really every single time I see stuff like that now, I think like why is it okay? in the normal times, you know, and it's, it's, I feel like I'm dangerously close to like Bill Mitchell in this moment <laughs> where Bill, Mitchell? uh, you know, Bill Mitchell's the guy that, um, uh, he like tweets like 500 times a day and he's a, he was a big Trump supporter or he still is. And he's, he's just got like, and, but in his shtick right now is that the, the numbers are of, of coronavirus cases are just wrong. They're, they're way higher than they actually are. And also you have to put it in, proportion to like how many people die of like lots of other diseases and he's like well you know like we don't we just don't pay attention to how many people die every day or something like that right. and and uh and then he's and then he is also saying something about like he doesn't know what co- comorbidity means so he's like if i have a railroad spike in my forehead and i happen to test positive for a coronavirus don't put uh coronavirus as the cause of death <laughs> you know and stuff like that but i feel like i'm like i have this inverse relationship to bill mitchell almost where i just want to know why there's so much bullshit to cut through in the first place and yeah there are like people die of suicide like way too many people die of suicide every day and like there yeah there are like all of these pandemics already that are hiding you know under the headlines that already exist yeah too many people die from car accidents yeah too many people die from yeah there's like thirty thousand people dying a year in car accidents in the united states like there's all kinds of like absolutely bizarre reasons that like we don't live like dignified lives and yeah i i i i want i want to know why there's so much bullshit to cut through at at this time we're like oh okay we don't want to die of this thing you know (laughs) you know brianna joy gray got in got into like a heated thing on twitter when she said you know i think she was replying to near tandon of course because you know that's what you do look we're all bored right now okay we're all you know we're just doing what we can to make it through there for the grace of corona go i yeah Yeah. and it was you know something along the lines of like oh well so it's okay so can you explain to us why it's okay for people to die from cancer and then there was this whole or go into debt for for, going to yeah yeah, she was referring to medicare for all obviously and then there was this whole oh no it was with kamala harris it was with Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, well, you know, Kamala's mother died from cancer. And it's like everybody knows somebody. Like, it's very sad that Kamala was, Kamala Harris's mother died from cancer, I guess. But, but like, that's that is so profoundly missing the point. And people are just like the Internet has gotten fucking Adam Johnson and Glenn Greenwald have spent the entire afternoon like bickering with each other over like. Whether or not, you know, who, who you can invite on your podcast and stuff. Yeah. Well, and like whether or not paleoconservatives are like, you know, truly being racist in their populism or it's just like so, man, it's wild times out here, y'all. It is weird on the Internet right now. The yeah. horseshoe, the, the horseshoe is melting under the fire of our quarantine and it's bending closer and into a full circle and then back out into a line and no one knows like and everyone's like talking it's a ninth dimensional field yeah yeah and like everyone's just sort of like uh you know talking about you know the the horseshoe when it was a circle but now it's back into a flat line and and so like no one sees like the the same thing that they're talking about i don't know i've been in this house for like three weeks i don't know how to talk to other people now i don't i don't know how to convey like a complicated idea he's 
has only communicated with me through memes for several days now. This is the first conversation David and I have had. Iken has conversation. Yes, he's reverted to 2009 memes, which has been very unfortunate. Yeah, I think this this moment is illustrating um, just how fucked up and bullshit things really are, especially in normies who usually are just, like, paying attention to something else because they don't have the sickness of, like, constantly being like, holy shit, like, the human race is at a precipice at all times. <laughs> yeah, hey, Tina Fey, you can't eat a sheet cake your way out of this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's true. but it's like, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Like, all these people that are, like, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote adults in the room, these are the same people who just picked ending the possibility of Medicare for All as the hill to die on. Like, the yeah. entire yeah. Democratic establishment is behind a rapist fucking guy with accelerating dementia <sighs> who has no idea, like, what's going on or yeah, what to do with it. Yeah, you know what? Let's just, let's get into it because, like, you know, as much as uh, it... it Talking about Corona is kind of obvious at this point because it's what's happening. But like fucking Joe Biden is a demented racist rapist who we're just going to put up as the Democratic nominee. And like we're not going to we're not going to talk about like are we going to rethink that maybe? Can we it's not too late. Like I just can't fucking believe that the Democrats are going to nominate a rapist for the presidency again. Again, <laughs> but, to, to, to be a devil's advocate, because, you know, everyone loves them. Um, oh, I love devil's advocates when it comes yeah. to women coming forward about credible sexual assault allegations. Please do. Well, I, I, I just want to ask, what is the real reason that anyone should vote for Joe Biden over Trump? Like, I think Trump is one of the worst Americans Period. Full stop. He's a horrible, horrible, <laughs> exaggerated cartoon of our worst, you know, impulses, greeds, selfishness, just like racism, misogyny. Uh, just like he's emblematic of like so much that's wrong with the world. And so is Joe Biden. So yeah. uh, what the fuck is the reason why we should uh, vote for Joe Biden? Like, you know, like if, if, to give it just... As much credibility as possible to the whole people who are like, well, blue no matter who. And like, think about the kids in cages. It's like, motherfucker, this guy was the vice president while Barack Obama built those cages that now house those children. And like, what the fuck is Joe Biden going to do differently on any policy level than what Donald Trump has done? Like, I don't. I won't. Yeah, no, there's. And this is why, like, it's it's team. It's. It's like sports mentality. It's a team-based uh, argument. That's the only kind that you can make in, in favor of Joe Biden is that like, well, but our team is the good team and his team is the bad team and he's a bad guy and he's uncouth and he, you know, grabs him by the pussy. And now we're now that they are. Turns out Biden stuck, does that as well. Yeah. Now that they're stuck with this guy, they have to, you know, it's moving goalposts, obviously, because that's what. Uh, the Democrats are the best at, except for some reason they move them in the opposition party's favor somehow. But um, it's remarkable that he's running with no platform, like no policy platform. Um, the only thing that he has is that he's folksy 
and that he was Barack Obama's VP and Barack Obama only picked him for his vice president for his VP because he was a fucking conservative and it was going to help Barack Obama win conservative (laughs) states. So now we've just like devolved into the logic that like, well, you know, who's really good at beating Republicans is you you need to beat a rapist, racist Republican is another rapist, racist Republican. But we will put our shirt on his back and he'll be on our team. And it's been really, like, horrifying to see, you know, I don't know if um, listeners have actually listened to Tara Reid's interview with Katie Halper or if you've seen any of the others. She did an interview on Democracy Now! And, like, it's really striking to listen to her talk because I really don't think that you can get a good sense of how horrifying the incident is unless you actually hear her describe it. I mean, it's it, it like I cried I, when I listened to the um, the interview she did with uh, Katie Halper. I it's very affecting. Um, and, you know, she, she she there's this brief moment when she talks about how Joe Biden smiles when he's angry. And if you've ever watched him do a debate, um, you can see it like it's it's just totally like listening to her tell that story changes the way I see Joe Biden every time I see him like talk or do anything and you know it's like when people when you know people are saying bernie sanders reminds me of my abusive dad because he yells at me and it's like joe biden reminds me of my fucking rapist because i can look in his eyes and see that angry smile that she talks about it's horrifying yeah i just can't believe we managed to fuck this up so badly we had what 200 people running for the democratic nomination (laughs) and we managed to pick the senile rapist how did we do this you guys (laughs) oh i I can't do a postmortem on it. Like, I really have no fucking idea. I mean, at the end of the day, we all know it all happened, you know, three days prior to Super Tuesday. And, you know, unprecedented uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, you know, like a quote unquote winner of one of the first uh, three states just straight up dropped out. Like Straight up. He's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And same thing with Amy Klobuchar. And like Elizabeth Warren didn't because, you know, we still don't know why she didn't. Well, and now she loves Joe Biden, so... Oh, can we play the clip? Every time that that Vice President Biden gets out there, uh, or uh, out there, he obviously he's confined <laughs> right. like everyone Virtually. else. Uh, Digitally. That was, that was metaphoric. That's right. Uh, every time he has a chance to talk, I'm reminded, though, he is a good and decent man. And as a leader, he would not be putting himself first. He would be putting first the interests of the American people. He would understand at a human level uh, what this pandemic means to Americans. And I would have no doubt that he would both be doing everything he could to have a strong response and that he would run a competent government with smart people to help get that done. You know, it's a crisis like this that reminds us how much we need leadership. And uh, I think that the vice president, when he talks, reminds us of good and decent leadership. And of course, he reminds us that President Obama was here just three and a half years ago. And he saw us through a crisis starting back in 2009 with steady, thoughtful, smart leadership. And uh, that's that's what I think we can expect from Vice President Biden. Holy yeah, shit. Holy yeah. shit. 
I don't want to give uh I don't want to give Elizabeth Warren too much credit, but I I, I just like imagining her saying that with like her head in her hands, like looking at a bullet pointed list of things that the Biden campaign has said that she needs to reiterate, and it's like oh, and it just says like Obama, 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 like ten thousand times. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I see her looking at a, uh, a another bulleted list. Um, about the reasons why she's speaking the way that she is. And it just says, me, 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 me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Holy Absolutely. fucking shit. This woman is gaslighting all of us. She built her political career on being critical of Obama's handling of the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Like, that is how she cut, that's how she became a national figure figure yeah, yeah. was being critical of the ways that the democrats were not m- m- you know building an economy that works for all of us and all of the other bullshit folksy fucking shit that she spewed on the campaign for the last 2 years and it is absolutely wild to see her practically endorse joe biden like she might as well just endorse him i mean that's even worse i think than just endorsing him it is because she's pointing out the exact opposite of the truth he is not showing leadership. He is not a decent person. He is not going to be steady in any way. And like, this is all bullshit. It's absolutely bullshit. Anybody who's looking at the situation is going to know it to be bullshit. And the question is like, this is quote unquote, the left of the Democratic Party? Like, holy fucking shit. Like, there's no way that I can believe in any good faith at all, anymore, whatsoever, that Elizabeth Warren is about this at all, about any of the things that she's been campaigning at all. Joe Biden is not only a horrible human being, not only somebody with accelerating dementia, not only somebody who's literally hiding in their home from both the virus and the media, not only somebody who is backed down from a scheduled debate with the only other candidate still in the primary. We have 27 states to go. And the DNC is going to push all the voters into the meat grinder. And they are not po- postponing um, uh, the elections at all, the primary. They're not pushing it all out. They're not allowing us to vote by mail. They're not doing anything to save lives, you know, s- save this democracy. They're, they're, they're going to, in the middle of a pandemic, where we literally shouldn't be leaving our homes, say that this is a genuine and trustworthy election. The case where we cannot let this, we've never allowed any crisis from the Civil War straight through to the pandemic of 17, all the way around 16. We have never, never let our democracy take second fiddle. Way that We can both have a democracy and elections and at the same time correct the public health. And they're going to hand it to Biden. And Elizabeth Warren is 100% down with this. She is not a liberal. She's not a left uh, opposition. She's not a a reasonable choice for any type of reform. This is somebody who is ready to, in the face of credible rape allegations, in the face of an unprecedented biological threat to not only the nation, but the whole fucking species. In the midst of an ecological crisis that is accelerating, that we only have maybe a decade to, like, do anything meaningful on. And arguably, like, negative decade. Yeah. But yeah, go on. Go off, King. Yeah, and um, it's just, this is emblematic of everything that has been boiling my blood for the last, you know, six months of this election. 
is 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 watching and and having this anxiety. Now I have it about COVID, but before it was like, well, you know, it, 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 is this person real or is they ain't? You know, like what what's going on? And I don't know. I I digress. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 if anything good comes of all of this, it should hopefully be that we can all disabuse ourselves of the notions that really any elected political figure is ever at all working in your interests. They're just not. They're they're celebrities. They do backdoor deals. They say what is politically expedient. I'm reminded of like the Scooby-Doo moment when they pull the mask off the villain. And like we're just now seeing Elizabeth Warren is mask off. She was always a Republican. She's been a Republican since she was. Who's a fucking 20 year old Republican? You have no (laughs) soul if you're a 20 year old Republican. The idea that she somehow managed to make the, you know, the reverse political evolution and actually become a progressive later in life was has now proven itself to be bullshit. And yeah, so so like the great thing is that moving forward, we don't ever have to trust any of these people again. We don't ever have to pretend like and I say it. I'm looking at my Bernie Sanders bumper sticker hanging in my recording studio where next to my um, my my votive set. And my small shrine where I make my offerings <laughs> to Senator Bernard. Um, but, like, I really do think that he is one of the reasons he built such a powerful movement behind him was because people did feel that he was unique in that way. Yeah. And now, moving forward, he's not going to be the nominee. Um, I Some folks still want to hang on to that. I have let go of that quite some time ago. I don't think he's going to be the nominee. I'm um, still holding on, for the record. The reason I don't think he's going to be the nominee is not because it's not mathematically possible, but because we have already seen the lengths to which the DNC is willing to go to keep him from being yeah. the nominee, and there's just not enough resistance to that force. Um, who was it? Uh, Malcolm Harris tweeted something earlier today that was really good. He was basically saying, like, no, it's not. He didn't do anything wrong. There is just a wall that that is built by, you know, power and politics against any left of center movement. He's like, it's not it's like you don't need to run the race faster. You did a good job. You just ran into a wall. And that's kind of how I feel like the reason I don't think Bernie can win is not because the numbers won't work or whatever. It's because we've already seen how much resistance they're willing to put up against him. Um, and it was never possible from the beginning. That's kind of how I. I, I just want to go back to the, uh, the 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 Warren recording, and if you just like change her tone just a little bit from like, well, you know, I just mean he's a decent man to like, like some to a more resigned voice of like, well, you know, he's a decent man, and uh, <laughs> I guess like he it'll be the kind of leadership that we had under Obama, yeah, and like it's he's. I think he'll bring smart people and have a <laughs> competent government. You know, it's like that's it. That's all. That that's that is ha- that is the stakes, and that is like uh, the expectations that we have now set for ourselves is like uh, competent, maybe. Like, that's it. That's seen all we get. Biden Biden bros on Twitter have been saying, "Well, he'll have a really competent cabinet," and it's like, uh, <laughs> okay, well, that's. Like, are we just going to pretend that the presidency doesn't matter now? Is that like, how did we get to this? I don't fucking know, man. 
Well, Trump has demonstrated that literally anybody with a pulse can be president and keep the empire like somewhat moving along. But they've also demonstrated that somebody uh, who's callous and a fucked up human being that doesn't prioritize well-being of anybody uh, is going to lead to, you know, countless lives being lost. And, you know, like the oh, there's just so much fucking shit to talk about about this covid shit. And as it relates to like the president's current handling, like, God damn, fuck the dog. Like, you know, like, <laughs> just, it's, it, it's insane. You know, like we've known about this since literally my birthday, November 17th. Um, yeah. That was when uh, patient zero happened in Wuhan and n- shit all has been done. And like we were talking about, you know, using um, uh, executive power to retool industry under force. And thank God, like, Trump actually did that for one specific company. GM is now making ventilators, like, and they're going to arrive too late, and that fucking sucks. Um, but like, no, but Elon Musk donated like eighteen thousand million CPAPs. perfectly good uh, <laughs> ventilators. So that's the capitalist class is already rushed in. So CPAPs, just in case there's a single person out there who doesn't know, CPAPs spread virus. A CPAP machine. Now, if you get coronavirus and you have chronic lung disease for the rest of your life, which you very may well you'll become intimately familiar with what a CPAP does. But a CPAP is not a ventilator. And in fact, you cannot use it in a hospital setting when there is like a virulent virus. Viruses are just virulent. Yeah. yeah. And there's so a fucking pand- virus. Pandemic. Yeah. Like it, it's it's so. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but Chad President G has sent a, uh, is is sending. What was it like a thousand New ventilators? York is going to get a thousand ventilators yeah. from China. Well, yeah, that's well, awesome. We got like, what, 60,000 cases right now? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, actually, today was, I think, the first day when the number of deaths dropped. So well, that's good. It's, the day is young. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, keep posting those numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, shit's fucked. Everybody knows it. Um, yeah. But I mean, they, they were also showing in 2017 that the uh, the military had put together a um, plan for what to do in uh, a influenza outbreak just like this one and it was uh buried it's you know like you know bin laden determined to strike america kind of like buried and which is so suspicious it's, it's, it's oh god you know I, i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying to not let conspiracy britney hop out and be like <laughs> irresponsible and say like stupid things that i shouldn't be spreading but like yeah, well, I mean, the, the way that I look at it is that, like, there are probably a dozen of those kinds of reports that they have done the exact same thing to. And we just happened to, you know, get on the the on the this giant spinning wheel of life. We ended up on pandemic influenza. Absolutely. And, yeah. and there's like nine, uh, there's like 11 other uh, reports that uh, a any kind of competent leadership would like be able to to like record and be and make actionable. But we don't have that. And so it, we just happened to get the one, you know, this one thing. And, and is, I also want the one that gets fucked up. And I also want to point out that uh, this moment has left me incredibly disappointed with Bernie. And, you know, I have to judge my disappointment yeah. uh, on a curve, obviously, because we live in the time of monsters, um, you know, where the this world cannot continue and a new world cannot be born. But I, I just want to point you guys out to another link because this motherfucker basically took the words right out of my mouth. Everybody shut up. 96 to nothing this past the Senate. And if you don't think someone sold you out on that, you're a fucking chump. 
And you should be screaming at your progressive leaders for not standing up for you. Why aren't they organizing right now a rent strike? Why aren't they organizing right now a mortgage? Why don't we fucking fight back? Why don't we fight back? You see, we got them by the balls. Every labor leader out there sees that we have them by the balls. Every labor labor leader sees that. Every labor leader sees that we have them by the balls. Who is essential? The postman, the UPS driver, the FedEx driver, the Amazon worker, the grocery store employee. Those are the essential workers. The pharmacist. Those are essential employees in the United States. And all this should all go on a fucking strike until we get Medicare for all and a UBI. And, the, and no one's telling them to do that because we have no leaders. Because the best we can get is someone who bends his knee to the fucking Democratic Party and the DNC at every turn. That's what we got. That's not leadership. Here's an idea. Next time I get a fucking email from a progressive organization or a campaign or a cocksucking politician asking me for money, it should include we're going on fucking general strike or a rent strike or a mortgage strike or some kind of an idea on how to fucking fix this problem because they don't have any. In fact, all they're doing is telling us all the great shit they got done and they got nothing done. Fucking hell yeah, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. And I am... um also profoundly disappointed with Bernie. I, I really don't even know quite how to express my level of disappointment because, as you guys know, I was really, like, devoted a lot of time to the campaign and really thought that he was going to win. And now, when there's so much on the line and he could truly be drawing the kinds of distinctions between himself, like, yes, he should be calling for a fucking general strike and a rent strike and no more, like, can you split your $27 donation between these five charities? How about, like, just fucking shoot me a text. It's like, hey, bae, we ain't paying mortgages. We ain't paying rents. We ain't going to work. $20 an hour for everybody, free health care for all, and get in the streets and do it. And I know for at, for at a safe social. social <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, how the fuck do you do anything? Like, even a yeah, riot right, yeah, is like hard. breaking CDC guidelines. Like, we're fucked. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, and and like, I I know that he was on the Senate floor. Like, uh, I think he made sure that uh, we kept an extra two hundred dollars in unemployment insurance or something. He had like a uh, like a, a this adorable moment where he was like, and now I find that some of my. Republican colleagues are very distressed. They're very upset that somebody who's making 10, 12 bucks an hour might end up with a paycheck for four months more than they received last week. Oh, my God. The universe is collapsing. Imagine that. Somebody who's making 12 bucks an hour now, like the rest of us, faces an unprecedented economic crisis with the 600 bucks on top of their normal, their regular unemployment check might be making a few bucks more for four months. Oh, my word. Will the universe survive? And like that, like that was cool. But it's like it's that he's. Yeah, it just seems like he's stuck in that. Um, I got one more thing. I'm the amendment king sort of thing yeah he's playing the violin very beautifully as the titanic fucking sinks yeah and it's just it's not enough now it's it it was it was maybe never enough yeah but now it's definitely not fucking enough and 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 jimmy Dore is completely right that like 
you the entire dip in the stock market right now is not because of interest rates or like the mad money guy sneezed wrong and now investors are uh, spooked yeah yeah the working class is out of fucking work yeah it's 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 not like something done spooked the economy you know it's it's that yeah like a bunch of people can't do the socially necessary stuff that makes the economy work and that's why and that's why all value comes from labor. And when labor can't labor, <laughs> you know, everything shuts down. Damn, drop that labor theory of value on me. <laughs> yeah, know? big daddy. Yeah. Was, I saw I, so I saw obvious. another tweet earlier today that was like, you know, if you not being able to pay your rent puts your landlord out of a house, they're not the ones providing the housing. You, you are. are. <laughs> so oh, many things are being revealed in this moment, you know, like so many things are being revealed yeah. in this moment. And we need strong, bold leadership. That's not Bernie's not doing it. You know, I mean, really, like he's not. And I don't know what he was a Democratic socialist. He was always a Democratic yeah. socialist. I always knew that. Um, I kind of tricked myself into thinking that maybe that was just a label that he used to, like, fly under the radar of actually being a real, you know, yeah, I guess I'm disappointed that Bernie Sanders isn't a fucking communist. Wow, I sound so goddamn naive when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that, you know, in a time when we're not facing an existential threat to our society, um, that democratic socialism has, you know, its its merits. Like, it's like, hey, you know, we got to work within the system. We can't just upset everything. You know, we have to get as much progressive gains as possible. We have to arm wrench the, the bad guys using the... Also bad guys, but less bad guys, you know, and like, <laughs> and it's also, it's, it's somewhat reasonable, but in a time of like, total, like total free fall, like total complete lack of the ability to plan even as far as next week with expectations and like what's going on. We have what? 6.6 .6 million people just applied for unemployment this week. Yeah. And rent is going to be due, but not there. So there's going to be a de facto rent strike. And people are talking about, you know, waiving late fees. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Like, there needs to be a incredibly radical plan to deal with the fact that there isn't going to be rent for months. Deal uh, wait, with it. Uh, ra uh, radical action is the only thing that's reasonable right now. Like, that, it's, uh, that's just true. It's like, you can't. This is, these are radical times. They've been foisted upon us, whether it's uh, a, a, a Chinese super virus or, or just another stupid thing that happened in this godforsaken planet that's dying. It, these are uncertain times and you just have to, like, fucking do something. And it's not, uh, you know, tinker around the edges with some means test. It's also program. not yeah, bailout. Yeah, make sure everybody gets $200 more, you know, for their, like, that's it's just... It's not enough. It's just not enough. And also, it's not bail out the fucking entire capitalist uh, economy so that they are made whole while we have, you know, like, okay, so, so let, let me just stop real quick and give some context here. We are at a period of record private profits for all corporations in the entire world. We have just cut taxes to record lows, which are still here and permanent. Thanks, Trump. $1.8 trillion of money was transferred from the working class to the super rich under Trump's, uh, you know, supervision in the last tax cut. We aren't taxing anybody except the working class. They're the people who are, I, are actually paying their, their, their fair share. So when the which, government, by the way, we just paid out our asses in taxes this year. Oh, thanks yeah. a lot, Trump. Oh, yeah. And I don't know anyone anymore that doesn't get 
that got a tax refund. My folks did pretty well because they are they happen to be that tiny slice of pie that's not million because they own their own business and they're their only employees. So they were helped out a little bit by the tax. But like they're that that like er, you know, small business owner that right. is approximately 0.2% of the population. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, Go off, King. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Chris. Uh, it's fine. Uh, so we have this situation where the rich are as rich as they've ever been. They don't need to get a tax break, but we give it to them anyway. I don't know, like, uh, you know, gold star for a kid who did really well on a spelling test. And so we, you know, just are giving lavish gifts to the ruling class for decades. <laughs> and we are now in a position where we've just done it again at an incredibly unprecedented level. We are freaking out, or at least I was freaking out, when we gave $1.8 trillion away from them. Well, we just gave about six. So that's going to work out to be about, I think, 20-ish thousand dollars per American, you know, man, woman, and child. I think it's like 20 or 16, depending on, on your calculations of inflation. And so we're going to all be cutting a check from our future labor to the order of about $14,800, if you take the 16,000 uh, uh, number, and giving it directly to the people who are, you know, our employers who own the means of production privately for private profit, who have never seen higher profits, who are at an unprecedented, except I guess for the Gilded Age, level of inequality. And we are going to be cutting that check to them. And then we're going to get $1,200 of the check that we cut back to us so that we can pay our landlords. And that is fucking insane. That is yeah. fucking insane. And the idea that we should be praising anyone who just did that to us, what, for like, for what reason? Yeah. Like, wh why, why should we? So that, you know, the, the entire economy collapses, what, four months from now instead of like two, two months from now? Like, who fucking has an actual plan of like how we're going to get out of this? Who has an actual plan of how we can do a politics of the many when we can't even get three people in a room? You know, like, who has a plan of what we're going to do when millions and millions and millions of us will not be able to pay rent? There isn't even a fucking rent freeze anywhere. No governor has been like, yeah, no, it's illegal to uh, charge rent right now. And if you're a landlord, um, contact the government and we'll figure out how to make sure that you can, you know, keep your house in order um, and keep housing, you know, for all of the people. But yeah, no mortgage, no rent. No one's fucking well, New arguing York's under a 90 day. New York's under a 90 day mortgage uh, suspension if you can prove hardship. So if you're a fucking New Yorker and your landlord is saying, oh, if you can't pay me, then I'll lose the bill. They're full of bullshit. No, there's a 90-day mortgage suspension in New York. You have to prove hardship, which means if your landlord can't prove hardship, guess what? They don't need your fucking rent. And also, there's no such, there's no such relationship for rent. There's a uh, eviction moratorium temporarily. Yeah. And any rents that you don't, it's a 90-day moratorium, and any rents that you don't pay during that time can then be used as as uh, grounds for eviction at the end of it. So it's absolutely fucking meaningless, because where's that money going to magically come from over the next 90 days? What, are we all going to, like, get fucking PMC jobs where we, like, make six figures before, like, tweeting stupid shit like Matty Iglesias? What, where's that fucking money going to come from? And, and you know, to switch from uh, 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 elected officials uh, disappointing us to uh, our everyday neighbors disappointing us is <laughs> I, I posted a, a uh, explainer on a Facebook group like for the neighborhood about um, the about that New York moratorium on rent. It was just like a little uh, uh, um, like 
JPEG that had a, a bunch of fast facts on it. And every comment below it was like, I just want to say, though, if you can pay your rent, please pay it. Don't abuse these. And it's just like every, it, it, it's just like it's mind worms that like you can't like how detestable is that that you see that sort of information. And the first thing you think about is like, well, gosh, I hope no one takes advantage of this. I was like, ah, God. Like, For just- every every single person who's ever made the argument that landlords aren't inherently bad and there are a lot of good landlords out there, here's what your good landlord is doing right now. They are saying, don't fucking worry about your rent until your job comes back. And if that's not the beginning and end of what they're saying to you, they are not your good landlord. If they didn't come to you apropos of nothing, of you not even saying that you don't have the money, like if they came to you before you said anything, that might be an okay landlord, right? But I just I don't I don't I don't know. I've never been a landlord. I I don't know. But it's it's it's. Uh, well, but we own a home, and yeah. I can tell you right now, if David and I couldn't pay our mortgage tomorrow or the next month or the next month, we would be able to go to our bank and talk to our lender and work out a deal. Because they don't banks don't want to kick people out of their homes by and large. Yeah, they're not realtors. Yeah. Foreclosure is a shitty process. Banks, by and large, do not want to go through it. If you if if some fucking landowner is telling you that, you know, if you don't pay your fucking April April rent, then they're going to be kicked out of their homes. It's bullshit. That is bullshit. My mind is saying we need to figure out how to keep everything running so we all don't die. And we need to figure out how to take care of each other because no one else will. And my heart is saying, burn it all the fucking ground. Like, I've never been more angry and fed up and sickened by the institutional inhumanity of the system as it presents itself in in our modern world. And at the same time, I'm like, never been more conscientious about figuring out how to try and do as little damage, you know, in this time of, of crisis as possible to anybody else that's around me. You know, like, I, I'm... I, I was biking downtown yesterday. I was delivering some, some uh, care packages to some friends of mine, you know, sanitized, uh, uh, you know, with my balaclava and my gloves and everything. And I saw a homeless guy uh, who had a sign in the street and it said, you know, autistic and homeless, like anything helps. And I, you know, gave that guy 20 bucks, but like the 20 bucks came out of my pocket. I hadn't sanitized that 20. And I was like, stressed out about whether or not I had just maybe potentially inadvertently, uh, you know, contaminated or gotten this person sick. And it's like, there's no clearly right thing to do in this time. And that's what I think is, is driving me the most mad. It's like, I, I just want to figure out how to help my fellow humans in, in this extraordinarily, uh, you know, unprecedented moment. And I have no fucking idea what the best way is, you know? Yeah. I I think what's really alarming about this moment is that it's really by its very nature something that cannot be dealt with on an individual basis like there's nothing like just what you were describing with that 20 bucks like is it it it, it, it can put both of you in danger by the physical act of handing him th- that person a, a 20 dollar bill and like really the only thing that can fix this situation would be institutional large scale efforts and and intervention and if there's not if that doesn't exist, which obviously it doesn't because all of our institutions are broken, like this 
keeps falling apart. Like, there's nothing that you can do on a small scale about this. There really just isn't. Like, I go to a food pantry every Saturday now, and I really am just, like, putting myself at risk when I do that. And, like, we give out a bunch of food, but it's it's not going to be enough. It's just never going to be enough yeah. because it, it relies on donations. And, like, Jeff Bezos just gave $100 million uh, to Feeding America which is the largest uh, charitable donation he's ever given. And it comprised, like, I think maybe, like, a day and a half of his earnings. Like, it, he makes $100 million, uh, like, while he's sleeping. And he just, like, threw that on the pile. And, it, and that can actually change people's lives. But it's, like, not nearly enough because it's just charity. And it just relied on his, uh, you know, whim to do it, from, you know, or, like, what his publicist told him to do. Jeff Bezos is publicist moved more money than any with like just an off idea a half-assed idea than like any of us could do it's probably a fraction of the increase in profits he's seen since the beginning of the quarantine because amazon is so fucking overwhelmed with they hired they were they said they wanted to hire like a hundred thousand people yeah yeah lyft is telling yeah lyft is telling their drivers go work in an amazon factory how fucking that is like it's wild. That is wild Absolutely levels wild. of fucking bizarrity. It turns out that these gig economy capitalists aren't in competition at all. They're all, yeah, right? they're yeah, all, right. yeah, for fucking yeah. real. They're all just trying to, you know, figure out how to streamline and maximize the level of exploitation of the human race. And damn, are they good at it? Okay, so we all just took a five minute cooldown period to, uh, Limit the amount of angry energy that we, uh, you know, d- as deserving as it is, uh, have uh, subjected you, the listener, uh, our lovely listener that we love. Uh, now, now we're just a normal amount of angry. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just yeah. Uh, irri- ir- slightly irritated. Yeah, mostly. yeah, slightly uh, irritated. I, I, I there the hot dogs versus buns like arrangement, you know, is still wrong. I'm running I'm low on. I'm running low on hard seltzers, which is I'm a bit miffed over. You know. How about that airplane food, huh? Ugh, what the worst. <laughs> uh, so I have some good news. Um, mm. And that Do is share. that my partner has been in making test kits. And now <gasps> I can talk about that because uh, it's uh, no longer confidential. And now, through the magic of time travel and editing, we are joined by Emily. Emily, thank you for coming on Ironweeds. Of course, I'm happy to be here. Um, so tell us about these uh, testing kits that you're working on. So I work for Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, and during the last couple weeks, our site head of industrial um, operations and supply has approached New York State because we have a very specific uh, skill set as far as uh, biopharmaceutical production and testing. So we wanted to know whether there was anything we could do as a New York State company to assist the efforts of supporting and preventing and testing for the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, And it was identified uh, a week before last that we could really lend our support in creating test kits. So more specifically, we are producing VTM, which is vial transfer media which is the liquid that uh, patient samples are preserved in. So they're put Mm. into conical tubes, um, and then that solution is used so that a swab from the nose or throat can be put in that test tube and closed until it's transported to a lab for testing. Um, So in the last couple weeks, we have done, I believe, about 300,000 
test kits. Our goal is 500,000, so a total of half a million test kits are being donated to New York State to support uh, testing in a more holistic and uh, widespread manner. That's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. So basically what you're producing is um, the the media that the sample gets stored in while it goes to a laboratory. Is that correct? Exactly. So okay. it's packed with a whole bunch of antibacterials and antifungal solutions so that really the only thing that can possibly grow in the solution is if a virus is on that swab that's being suspended in that media. Is it a like a pinkish red color? It is actually. Yeah. Okay. So I was. Re- I'm trying to remember when I got my test. What yeah, it looked listeners like. will yeah. know that David was tested. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Um, As a is only, it? Yeah. I remember them only, sticking the big Q-tip like just in in that kind of vial. Yeah. yeah. He only had chlamydia. Weird. Yeah. No <laughs> very strange. Uh, only chlamydia. And Impressive. it was in my nose. Impressive. Yeah. It was weird. That's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Gotta stop that skull. I told you I wasn't guys. ready. <laughs> so, so, how many vials, uh, test kits have you uh, made? So, overall, we've uh, assembled three hundred thousand. But myself personally, they have us coming in on a rotating once every third day basis. So, I am working through weekends. I am working, um, you know, around the clock, as are the rest of the volunteers. Um, and I've personally packed, I believe, twelve thousand vials. Wow. Yeah. What uh, uh, um, Chris was telling us uh, that uh, you could you had the option of um, volunteering for this specifically because you had um, a specific kind of training. Could you sort of describe maybe for the layperson like what it's like to get into like what is it like a clean room or something like what what uh, what does that look like? Sure. So uh, these particular vial transfer media assemblies are being done in a process sciences lab. So it's not an aseptic environment, much as you would find in where our drugs are produced for Regeneron in-house. Those are much more strict, um, iso-restrictive levels of uh, aseptic control. So those are areas in which you're going to see people wearing scrubs. They're going to be wearing a gown covering their entire body from head to toes. And they're going to be wearing two sets of gloves, a face mask, and eye protection. In these particular labs, since the vial transfer media that we're creating is actually stock full of antibacterials and antifungals, it's not necessarily necessary to maintain that level of sterility. Um, so we're actually producing these in a lab that requires us to wear gloves and face masks. But... Uh, it is our experience in producing drugs in aseptic environments that allows us to safely handle these materials and really have a good eye for um, quality and integrity as far as the sterility of the um, the transfer media and making sure that everything is consistently produced. So we already have a quality control mindset going into it, and we are already very accustomed to handling vials. Um, dispensing, uncapping, conical tubes, all of that stuff, and um, maintaining an accurate inventory once they're produced. What does aseptic mean? Aseptic is uh, the handling of materials without uh, human contamination, I believe. That's not a strict uh, definition. It's more of a layman's uh, interpretation. 
But that's what we're looking for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, thanks. Yeah, and a septic environment um, can be determined by the by testing for air particles or surface particles. Basically, it's an environment that is controlled in the amount of ingress of any bio life that's in that environment. So, for example, you could have an environment where you are um, taking a plate sample of a table surface and you should come away with no life grown on that Petri dish after a week. That's awesome. So how does it feel? To, to Is there like any, so many of us seek comfort in these trying times. Like, does it feel... Do you feel better than us because you're doing something useful? Like, is that? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I do feel very uh, determined and proud of what we're doing. It's certainly a comfort being able to go physically make these kits that, although are not going to be necessarily a direct cure or a uh, vaccine for COVID-19, are absolutely essential in detecting just how widespread this pandemic is and dedicating the right resources to where they need to be. So that in and of itself, and plus getting out of the house once every three days, is a magnificent feeling. And just to be able to do anything to help New York State is awesome. I mean, all of our families, all of our families are concerned. And if we don't have an accurate notion of how many people are affected by this how can we possibly gain control over it and and not just the amount of people but if you know specifically who and when you can do exposure tracking Mm -hmm. so you can raise other people's um uh alarm to be extra careful and like you know like seriously stay away from everybody else uh during that period where they uh are transmissible um or infectious uh but not necessarily showing symptoms it's two weeks yes that is like insanely difficult to, you know to figure yeah. out how you know you trace all of people's contacts you know yeah especially if most of the people that you are testing are perhaps asymptomatic and we simply don't have enough test kits at the moment to prioritize that type of testing yeah. we're only prioritizing a very specific subset of people who are showing symptoms and meet a certain set of criteria so more test so kits what- more testing more knowledge <laughs> Awesome. So, yeah. when, so when uh, someone has a, a really long Q-tip shoved into the back mm. of their uh, their nasal cavity, think think of Emily and thank Emily <laughs> for for her hard work. Yes. Imagine my face floating before you, just saying it'll yeah. all be over soon, and just look at the fluorescent pink solution in the vial. Let <laughs> <laughs> your worries melt away. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, Emily, so much for coming on and sharing that with us. It's really it's really interesting and um, very excited for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So we have some other good news, right, David? Yeah. So there's a when we had a karma on, we talked about uh, there was a video of Wuhan doctors like finally taking off their masks after like hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, in the trenches. taking care of people but uh, they had closed their final temporary hospital yeah. for treating coronavirus 
Uh, and uh, and now I have a pop up on my phone from the Bangkok Post, so now I can't. Oh, read but, the no, but he's won. You've won yeah. an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now from the Bangkok po- uh, Bangkok Post, uh, and this is uh, on BBC and a couple other places that uh, Wuhan is basically reopening uh, after their two month lockdown to uh, prevent the spread of uh, COVID nineteen, and. Um, and what that basically means is that you can now go into the city, go into the city on like high speed trains and cars and stuff like that. You still can't leave. So like basically. <laughs> so it's Hotel California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, essentially, you know, like, it, uh, there are people that uh, have been like separated from families for like 10 weeks. Yeah. You know, um, that can finally go home. Uh, and uh, so they're, they're now uh, you still have to present like on your phone this. Um, test results to say that you are not you don't have coronavirus god their phones do everything yeah. over there they Jesus really Christ. do it's real i we should do an episode where i just talk about uh uh wechat because it's amazing that, that app is amazing it's what facebook wants to be uh, uh all it's of the all, environment yeah yeah all american um silicon valley companies they go to china and they see the kind of stuff that um chinese companies are making and they really really want to be that and really the only thing that's keeping them back is like american culture that like we don't want to do a lot of those things so yeah. they so they so they have to do it slowly and like convince you that uh this is convenient and fun and or whatever but um yeah so they they've um they yeah they have an app on their phone that tells that uh confirms that they are coronavirus free i i technically have that on my phone the health app on iphone uh if you uh import if your doctor has a a feature where they they have like a oh really yeah where they have a uh, um a, a, a portal an online portal you can connect that to uh the health app and so i i can go into health app Boy, and, and, sh- and shows my Sh- uh, it'll show that I, I I don't have coronavirus or influenza, but uh, yeah. So the, the, so you can now go in, but you can't go out. Uh, you uh, uh, businesses are opening again. Uh, there's apparently people going on like uh, uh, quarantine ending shopping sprees. <laughs> it's like it's is they're finally able to go out. Yo, I might go to the fucking mall when all this is Whoa. done, and I hate the mall. <laughs> yeah, do, like, yeah, dear I'm listener, you do not skating. know what that means. Yeah, 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 you do not know how much I hate the fucking mall, but I am hungry for just like strolling around shopping. Go to the roller rink. Oh, that week should go bowling when all this is done. Ooh, yeah, I would love to go bowling. So that's really exciting. I mean, you know, you think about Wuhan. So let's say that maybe in like in December, Wuhan was or maybe January, Wuhan was where we're at now, I would say is fair. Right. In terms of a timeline. Yeah, maybe. Um, Of course, we can't. There's no comparison to really draw because China's response to the virus was much more efficient i think generally speaking than ours has been but it's uh (laughs) it is hopeful that life somewhere in some part of the country is starting to get back to normal yeah so in uh in wuhan uh people were infected and had more covid19 deaths than any other city in china and um their numbers have fallen dramatically in recent weeks, there's um, been fewer than 20 new cases across the whole province in the last two weeks, which is why they And can the start... province of Wuhan is huge, right? Yeah, like yeah. It's... I mean, Wuhan itself is enormous. It's yeah. bigger than New York City. So, um, I believe... Bigger than New York City. That's yeah. fucking wild. It's a city that, like, be honest with yourself, Americans have never heard of prior to... No, I've never heard of it. Yeah, right. Uh, but, um, yeah, they, they have... Uh, more than 2,500 people are still in the hospital 
with the disease in Wuhan, including nearly 900 severe cases, but they're still like recovering. And that's what recovery looks like, folks. You know, like that's actually uh, what it's going to look like when things are going well now. But yeah, uh, um, a week ago, Saturday, all of the, the subways had opened up. They are st- banks have started to reopen and yeah, oh, people, yay, banks. Yeah, banking. Ooh. <laughs> but I mean, like that's that's actually pretty important for the global economy, right? Because yeah. like in the 2008 and 2009 crash, one thing that obviously we don't talk about is basically China bailed out the entire world from like going into a global depression. Yeah. Is they did a ton, ton, ton of spending, like uh, of, of deficit spending. They were they were the world's FDR. Like, just still making stuff. Yeah, because remember, deficits aren't real. Yeah. (laughs) Not a real thing. Just a made-up thing. But, you know, so they just uh, spent through the the recession and were able to keep a global uh, marketplace going. But this time, uh, Wuhan is a major industrial center. And uh, and financial hub. So uh, the fact that they people are going to banks there is like a very, very good thing for everybody else. Like that needs to get back on on track as soon as possible. I mean, you know, this is a species level problem. And so, you know, if if it has the peak has gone down and, you know, life is returning to normal uh, somewhere that, you know, there's no reason why that's not going to happen everywhere. Yeah. So awesome. Well, uh Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to this uh, mostly angry, but maybe a little bit hopeful and optimistic episode of Iron Weeds. Um, You're about to hear Kropotkin. Lucky you, because you're about to hear Kropotkin spit some hot fire on the emancipation of women from the drudgery that is domestic enslavement. This is a great chapter coming up. It's basically about how, you know, something something. Obviously, that was common when Kropotkin was writing is something that continues to be common today is the lack of attention to issues of unpaid domestic labor in the sort of revolutionary aspirations of the left. And so Kropotkin's argument is essentially like if we liberate only half of humanity, then we have left half of humanity to revolt against us. And you might notice in my narration of this that I tend to get yeah, a little bit, a little bit spicy, a little Ooh. bit fiery. Yeah, um, hell yeah! And it's because I was really like, I was just totally like grooving on what Kropotkin. This might be my favorite chapter of this book that we have read so far. So I, I really hope that you guys enjoy it. So the chapter is called "Agreeable Work," and the first little bit is about. Um, it's not all about women. The first bit is just about like how. Working conditions can be made better quite easily, in fact. But then the second half of the chapter is about domestic work. And I think it's um, the whole chapter is great. It's really this is definitely one of my favorite chapters of Conquest of Bread that we've done so far. So I hope that you guys enjoy it as well. Can I uh, uh, plug my Twitch stream? Can you plug your Twitch stream? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me right now? Yes, of course, honey. Please plug your Twitch stream. David has been doing an incredible. So David has. Um, taken this opportunity now that he's having to remote teach to open up his course material to the public. You know, information wants to be free. And David's doing some of that work himself with his two courses that he's teaching at SUNY. I'm very brave and smart. He's so and... brave and so smart and <laughs> yeah. very hot. You guys can't see his butt right now, but it is looking pretty choice. It's true. It's true. Yeah. But uh, it's, um yeah. So I, I just finished uh, two well, actually, it would technically be four uh, lectures on um, urban planning under pandemics and a lot of, of uh, urban planning 
modern urban planning was um, built amidst a pandemic, uh, both co- uh, cholera and then the 1918 uh, influenza outbreak uh, all had uh, pretty big influences on on urban planning. Those are um, already up, uh, saved on Twitch, so you can watch those videos recorded and done. And, and we will post those to our Patreon page as well. So even if you're not a patron, you can just go to our page and find those links. I'll post those today. So. Yeah, yeah. And then um, pretty much every Tuesday and Thursday for the the month of April at one fifteen, and then again at two forty five, uh, I will go live on Twitch and just um and and do my lecture. And then there is a a Discord channel that's just for my students. So uh, you can you can jump in the chat if you want. I I probably won't be looking at it, but you can talk to each other uh, if you feel like it. And then uh, and don't feel like you're interrupting a class or anything like that because that's why I built a Discord just for my students and I talk to them afterward uh, after I give my lecture. So it's um. Uh, so yeah, so so come on and join us. And, so twitch.tv. Uh, uh, yeah, twitch.tv slash da banks. And he'll tweet it out from his Twitter account as well, da underscore banks. Yeah, I, I always have a a tweet that goes out before I start yeah. streaming. And well, I'm lo- looking forward to um, auditing your course. Thank you. They're really great. David's a great t- David's a great speaker. His piece on Soviet cities is also up on our Patreon now. You can again, you don't have to be a subscriber. You can go there and and find that. Um, and yeah, David's courses are great. I have the benefit of living with him, so I get all of his intellectual uh, prowess for free. But now you too, <laughs> dear listener, can get access to David's intellect. Um, as I often say, he is the only smart one on the podcast. So really, you can avail yourself of his services. <laughs> I was thinking about rebranding the podcast, and I was going to say what 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 happens when an anarchist, a communist, and a smart person get together and make a podcast. Um, so anyway, uh, one other uh, thing to plug is our Discord. It is not an Ironweed specific Discord; it's a leftist Discord that David has started. What is it? Called? It's, it's called the Posters Union Local 420. Posters Union Local and, 420. Uh, yeah, and there's everything from you know, you know post uh, you you're the um, uh, sour bread starter that you made uh, inevitably, and uh, uh, or you know just whatever you're cooking. You can post memes and articles, uh, articles. pictures of your pets. There's a bunch yeah. of channels. So if you're yeah. interested in joining, we haven't put like invite out links out just to kind of do some quality control. But if you're interested in joining, uh, DM us on Twitter or shoot us an email. Um, and I guess we should do the sign off, right, boys? Yeah, I will say the one last thing about the Discord. There's an entire channel for cursed things, so you can just like that's true. And, and then there's also one for just um, pictures of trains. No talking. You can just say pictures of trains. Yeah, you and you can, can say, say choo choo, and that's it. It's, it's a it's a great channel. It's got a lot of good pictures of trains. So if you want to be a part of all of this fun, uh, you can find us on Twitter. Ironweed's pot. You can find us on Instagram. Ironweed Spod. You could shoot us an email at ironweedspod at gmail.com. Com, 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 com. Man, remote oh, recording oh. is really going to be the death of our uh, Har- harmonizing, harmonizing. <laughs> and our species. <laughs> um, please sign up for our Patreon. Um, we need in the these money. dire times. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you need your money too, yeah, but, like, but, but I also we need it more. <laughs> we have a fantastic episode on Kate Mullaney and the first sustained women's labor union in 
this country. Uh, it's up on our Patreon right now, Collar Labor, Collar Laundry Union episode. And we are going to be doing a very special bonus episode. I think Extremely we might record special. it next week. It's going to explain to you why the Jews actually run the world. So look forward to that. But you, you have to give us a shekel to find it. No, yeah, I, you're going to have to give us at least, at least one shekel a month. I'm Jewish. I can how. say that. I can say that. I'm the only one that can make that joke. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Peace. Chapter 10. Agreeable Work. When socialists declare that a society, emancipated from capital, would make work agreeable and would suppress all repugnant and unhealthy drudgery, they get laughed at. And yet, even today we see the striking progress made in this direction. And wherever this progress has been achieved, employers congratulate themselves on the economy of energy obtained thereby. It is evident that a factory could be made as healthy and pleasant as a scientific laboratory, and it is no less evident that it would be advantageous to make it so. In a spacious and well-ventilated factory, work is better. It is easy to introduce small ameliorations, of which each represents an economy of time or of manual labor. And if most of the workshops we know are foul and unhealthy, it is because the workers are of no account in the organization of factories and because the most absurd waste of human energy is its distinctive feature. Nevertheless, now and again, we already find some factories so well-managed that it would be a real pleasure to work in them, if the work, be it well understood, were not to last more than four or five hours a day, and if everyone had the possibility of varying it according to his tastes. Look at this factory, unfortunately consecrated to engines of war. It is perfect as far as regards sanitary and intelligent organization. It occupies 50 English acres of land, 15 of which are roofed with glass. The pavement of fireproof bricks is as clean as that of a miner's cottage, and the glass roof is carefully cleaned by a gang of workmen who do nothing else. In this factory are forged steel ingots or blooms weighing as much as 20 tons. And when you stand thirty feet from the immense furnace, whose flames have a temperature of more than a thousand degrees, you do not guess its presence, save when its great jaws open to let out a steel monster. And the monster is handled by only three or four workmen who, now here, now there, open a tap, causing immense cranes to move by pressure of water in the pipes. You enter expecting to hear the deafening noise of stampers, and you find that there are no stampers. The immense hundred-ton guns and the crankshafts of transatlantic steamers are forged by hydraulic pressure, and instead of forging steel, the worker has but to turn a tap to give it shape, which makes a far more homogeneous metal without crack or flaw of the blooms, whatever be their thickness. We expect an infernal grating, and we find machines which cut blocks of steel thirty feet long with no more noise than is needed to cut cheese. And when we expressed our admiration to the engineer who showed us round, he answered, It is a mere question of economy. This machine, that plain steel, has been in use for 42 years. It would not have lasted 10 years if its component parts, badly adjusted, lacking in cohesive strength, interfered and creaked at each movement of the plane. And the blast furnaces? It would be a waste to let heat escape instead of utilizing it. Why roast the founders when heat lost by radiation represents tons of coal? The stampers that made buildings shake five leagues off were also a waste. It is better to forge by pressure than by impact, and it costs less. There is less loss. In a factory, light, cleanliness, the space allotted to each bench, 
is but a simple question of economy. Work is better done when you can see and you have elbow room. It is true, he said. We were very cramped before coming here. Land is so expensive in the vicinity of large towns. Landlords are so grasping. It is even so in mines. We know what mines are like nowadays from Zola's descriptions and from newspaper reports. But the mine of the future will be well ventilated, with a temperature as easily regulated as that of a library. There will be no horses doomed to die below the earth. Underground traction will be carried on by means of an automatic cable put in motion at the pit's mouth. Ventilators will always be working, and there will never be explosions. This is no dream. Such a mine is already to be seen in England. We went down it. Here again, this organization is simply a question of economy. The mine of which we speak, in spite of its immense depth, 466 yards, has an output of a thousand tons of coal a day, with only 200 miners, five tons a day per each worker, whereas the average for the 2,000 pits in England is hardly 300 tons a year per man. If necessary, we could multiply examples proving that Fourier's dream regarding material organization was not a utopia. This question has, however, been so frequently discussed in socialist newspapers that public opinion might have been educated. Factory, forge, and mine can be as healthy and magnificent as the finest laboratories in modern universities, and the better the organization, the more will man's labor produce. If it be so, can we doubt that work will become a pleasure and a relaxation in a society of equals, in which hands will not be compelled to sell themselves to toil, and to accept work under any conditions? Repugnant tasks will disappear, because it is evident that these unhealthy conditions are harmful to society as a whole. Slaves can submit to them, but free men will create new conditions, and their work will be pleasant and infinitely more productive. The exceptions of today will be the rule of tomorrow. The same will come to pass as regards domestic work, which today society lays on the shoulders of that drudge of humanity, woman. A society regenerated by the revolution will make domestic slavery disappear, this last form of slavery, perhaps the most tenacious because it is also the most ancient. Only, it will not come about in the way dreamt of by phalansterians, nor in the manner often imagined by authoritarian communists. Phalansteries are repugnant to millions of human beings. The most reserved man certainly feels the necessity of meeting his fellows for the purpose of common work, which becomes the more attractive the more he feels himself a part of an immense whole. But it is not so for the hours of leisure, reserved for rest and intimacy. The phalansteri and the familistery do not take this into account, or else they endeavor to supply this need by artificial groupings. A phalansteri, which is in fact nothing but an immense hotel, can please some, and even all at a certain period of their life, but the great mass prefers family life, family life of the future, be it understood. They prefer isolated apartments, Normans and Anglo-Saxons even going as far as to prefer houses of from six to eight rooms, in which the family, or an agglomeration of friends, can live apart. Sometimes a phalanstery is a necessity, but it would be hateful were it the general rule. Isolation, alternating with time spent in society, is the normal desire of human nature. This is why one of the great tortures in prison is the impossibility of isolation, much as solitary confinement becomes torture in its turn when not alternated with hours of social life. As to considerations of economy, which are sometimes laid stress on in favor of phalansteries, 
They are those of a petty tradesman. The most important economy, the only reasonable one, is to make life pleasant for all, because the man who is satisfied with his life produces infinitely more than the man who curses his surroundings. Other socialists reject the phalanstery, but when you ask them how domestic work can be organized, they answer, each can do his own work. My wife manages the house. The wives of bourgeois will do as much. And if it is a bourgeois playing at socialism who speaks, he will add, with a gracious smile to his wife, Is it not true, darling, that you would do without a servant in a socialist society? You would work like the wife of our good comrade Paul or the wife of John the Carpenter? Servant or wife, man always reckons on woman to do the housework. But woman, too, at last claims her share, the emancipation of humanity. She no longer wants to be the beast of burden of the house. She considers it sufficient work to give many years of her life to the rearing of her children. She no longer wants to be the cook, the mender, the sweeper of the house. And, owing to American women taking the lead in obtaining their claims, there is a general complaint of the dearth of women who will condescend to domestic work in the United States. My lady prefers art, politics, literature, or the gaming tables. As to the work girls, they are few, those who consent to submit to apron slavery, and servants are only found with difficulty in the States. Consequently, the solution, a very simple one, is pointed out by life itself. Machinery undertakes three-quarters of the household cares. You black your boots, and you know how ridiculous this work is. What can be more stupid than rubbing a boot twenty or thirty times with a brush? A tenth of the European population must be compelled to sell itself in exchange for a miserable shelter and insufficient food, and woman must consider herself a slave, in order that millions of her sex should go through this performance every morning. But hairdressers have already machines for brushing glossy or woolly heads of hair. Why should we not apply, then, the same principle to the other extremity? So it has been done, and nowadays the machine for blacking boots is in general use in big American and European hotels. Its use is spreading outside hotels. In large English schools, where the pupils are boarding in the houses of the teachers, it has been found easier to have one single establishment which undertakes to brush a thousand pairs of boots every morning. As to washing up, where can we find a housewife who has not a horror of this long and dirty work that is usually done by hand, solely because the work of the domestic slave is of no account? In America, they do better. There are already a number of cities in which hot water is conveyed to the houses as cold water is in Europe. Under these conditions, the problem was a simple one, and a woman, Mrs. Cochran, solved it. Her machine washes 12 dozen plates or dishes, wipes them, and dries them in less than three minutes. A factory in Illinois manufactures these machines and sells them at a price within reach of the average middle-class purse. And why should not small households send their crockery to an establishment as well as their boots? It is even probable that the two functions, brushing and washing up, will be undertaken by the same association. Cleaning, rubbing the skin off your hands when washing and wringing linen, sweeping floors and brushing carpets, thereby raising clouds of dust which afterwards occasion much trouble to dislodge from the places where they have settled down, all this work is still done because woman remains a slave but it tends to disappear as it can be infinitely better done by machinery. Machines of all kinds will be introduced into households, and the distribution of motor power in private houses will enable people to work them without muscular effort. Such machines cost little to manufacture. 
If we still pay very much for them, it is because they are not in general use, and chiefly because an exorbitant tax is levied upon every machine by the gentlemen who wish to live in grand style and who have speculated on land, raw material, manufacture, sale, patents, and duties. But emancipation from domestic toil will not be brought about by small machines only. Households are emerging from their present state of isolation. They begin to associate with other households to do in common what they did separately. In fact, in the future we shall not have a brushing machine, a machine for washing up plates, a third for washing linen, and so on, in each house. To the future, on the contrary, belongs the common heating apparatus that sends heat into each room of a whole district and spares the lighting of fires. It is already so in a few American cities. A great central furnace supplies all houses and all rooms with hot water, which circulates in pipes. And to regulate the temperature, you need only turn a tap. And should you care to have a blazing fire in any particular room, you can light the gas specially supplied for heating purposes from a central reservoir. All the immense work of cleaning chimneys and keeping fires, and woman knows what time it takes, is disappearing. Candles, lamps, and even gas have had their day. There are entire cities in which it is sufficient to press a button for light to burst forth, and, indeed, it is a simple question of economy and of knowledge to give yourself the luxury of electric light. And lastly, also in America, they speak of forming societies for the almost complete suppression of household work. It would only be necessary to create a department for every block of houses. A cart would come to each door and take the boots to be blacked, the crockery to be washed up, the linen to be washed, the small things to be mended, if it were worthwhile, the carpets to be brushed, and the next morning you would bring back the things entrusted to it, all well cleaned. A few hours later, your hot coffee and your eggs done to a nicety would appear on your table. It is a fact that between twelve and two o'clock, there are more than 20 million Americans and as many Englishmen who eat roast beef or mutton, boiled pork, potatoes, and a seasonal vegetable. And at the lowest figure, 8 million fires burn during two or three hours to roast this meat and cook these vegetables. 8 million women spend their time to prepare this meal that perhaps consists at most of 10 different dishes. 50 fires burn, wrote an American woman the other day, where one would suffice. Dine at home, at your own table, with your children, if you like. But only think yourself, why should these fifty women waste their whole morning to prepare a few cups of coffee and a simple meal? Why fifty fires, when two people and one single fire would suffice to cook all these pieces of meat and all these vegetables? Choose your own beef or mutton to be roasted if you are particular. Season the vegetables to your taste if you prefer a particular sauce. But have a single kitchen, with a single fire and organize it as beautifully as you are able to. Why has women's work never been of any account? Why in every family are the mother and three or four servants obliged to spend so much time at what pertains to cooking? Because those who want to emancipate mankind have not included women in their dream of emancipation, and consider it beneath their superior masculine dignity to think of those kitchen arrangements, which they have laid on the shoulders of that drudge, woman. To emancipate woman is not only to open the gates of the university, the law courts, or the parliaments for her, for the emancipated woman will always throw domestic toil on to another woman. To emancipate woman is to free her from the brutalizing toil of kitchen and wash house, 
It is to organize your household in such a way as to enable her to rear her children, if she be so minded, while still retaining sufficient leisure to take her share of social life. It will come to pass. As we have said, things are already improving. Only let us fully understand that a revolution, intoxicated with the beautiful words liberty, equality, solidarity, would not be a revolution if it maintained slavery at home. Half humanity subjected to the slavery of the hearth would still have to rebel against the other half.